Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Banter Podcast, episode 45. This is your host, Ben Kern. I'm here with my co-host, Mike Luciano, and we have a very special episode for you today. It is about the second impeachment of Donald Trump. Mike, we have a small bet of ours to discuss. Uh, you're, I'm no doubt, very happy and very sad at the same time. Correct. Correct. Today is payday for me. I'm disappointed the Senate failed to convict Donald Trump. But I anticipated this would happen. The vote was 57-43 to convict, but of course conviction required 67 votes. So Trump was found not guilty by the United States Senate. Ben, you bet me that the Senate would convict Trump, and you were somewhat confident about it. You were very optimistic that McConnell would not only vote to convict, but that would essentially give Senate Republicans cover to vote guilty. And I was telling you, you were getting way ahead of yourself. And I said, I said, I reminded you, this is Mitch McConnell we're talking about. These are Senate Republicans we're talking about. And you said there was a better than 50-50 chance that they'll do the right thing. And so now- but Do the right thing. Wait, I have to interject here. Do the right thing is not was not part of the equation. Okay, I just have to, before you go on and humiliate me, which I deserve thoroughly, I, I deserve completely to be humiliated and to, and to lose, you know, I think I deserve it, it, all the punishment that's coming my way. But the calculation was not that the Republicans uh, would do the right thing. My, my calculation was that the Republicans would- see this as an as an opportunity to rid themselves of Trump uh, while he was his popularity was at an all-time low. Uh, and that was my calculation that they would that Mitch McConnell sensed the time that it was the time to strike and and be rid of Trump and and they would do it. And I was horrifically wrong. So anyway, and just keep anyway, keep going. I'll I'll sit back and I'll I'll take my punishments. I'll take my licks. <laughs> well well my response to that would be you were more optimistic than I was about the Republicans being able to quit Trump because I was saying, look, he's still the de facto leader of the party, even though he's out of office, he's going to be influential. He, you know, endorsement from him in a GOP primary in a lot of districts and a lot of states is going to go a long way and they will continue to live in fear of this guy. So, you know, three weeks ago, you know, we were talking about this, you know, can they get to 17 Republican votes? And I was looking at I was looking at the list of GOP senators and I said, you know, I I can't get past eight. And I think I might have named like all seven except for Bill Cassidy, which we can we'll talk about, which I was surprised at. But okay, Ben, so you owe me five bucks. You owe me money, or I will give you the opportunity to read a hostage statement, basically, <laughs> that I have written <laughs> that you have not seen yet. I'm giving you the choice. You can either pay. How up. about this? How yeah. about this? How about this? I donate the five bucks to a nonprofit of your choice, and I read the hostage statement. That sounds good to me, and I will I will match or perhaps exceed said <laughs> said payment because <laughs> five ten bucks. A little modest, a little modest. It's a modest contribution, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, I wouldn't, uh, I, I wouldn't want to get any dirty looks. It'd be like putting a nickel in the tip jar at a coffee shop. Okay, so I have a statement here. Would you like to review it first, or, or do you want to just pledge that you will read this right now? I will pledge that I will read it right now without looking at it before you sent it to me. 
Yes, okay. whatever, it, whatever it is. Whatever right. it is. Incoming text message. Here you go. Okay, here we go. I, Ben Cohen, for some crazy reason, believe that Mitch McConnell and 17 Republicans would vote to convict Donald Trump when given the opportunity. I believe this because I am a silly Brit who failed to grasp the extent of the GOP's fealty to Trump and wanted to believe that the Republican Party is about something other than a cultish devotion to him. I now realize this is a ridiculous position and that I was very, very wrong. If I gave any of our listeners false hope, I apologize. Pip, pip, cheerio. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I mean every word of it. I am sorry. Uh, I should never have um, uh, broadcast my, uh, my thoughts on that and given anybody any sense of hope that the Republicans would try and rid themselves of Donald Trump. Although, you know, look, seven, seven, out, of, seven out of 50 um, for the Republicans, that, that's a stronger rebuke of Trump as I've seen thus far. Right. And I mean, and that's pretty that's pretty shocking how low it was. Right. The fact that this guy had literally sent his mob to kill his colleagues. Right. That in effect, that that's what that's what happened. Uh, it's a death cult. That's the only thing I can. You know, if this is not a death cult, I don't know what it is. You know, this is I mean, you know, the fact that they would allow this to slide is extraordinary. And then be angry with the the Republican voters are angry, the Republican Party, they're angry with the seven senators who voted to convict. Yeah, let's talk about those seven. The seven are Richard Burr of North Carolina, who's retiring, Bill Cassidy of Louisiana, and like five minutes after he voted to convict, the Louisiana Republican Party unanimously censured him. Uh, Susan Collins of Maine, Lisa Murkowski of Alaska, Mitt Romney of Utah, Ben Sass of Nebraska, and Pat Toomey of Pennsylvania, who's also retiring. And I have to say, there was a point early in the roll call, Ben, where I thought the number might actually reach double digits in terms of the number of Republican senators voting to convict, because they called Richard Burr's name. He votes to convict. He's not running for re-election next year, so... That wasn't totally surprising, uh, but his yes vote was not a sure thing by any means. Then they get to Bill Cassidy of Louisiana, and he votes guilty. And I'm thinking, wow. You know, I know he was only one of like six Republicans who voted to proceed with the trial last week, but I didn't imagine he'd actually come out and say Trump is guilty in a roll call. Then they get to Susan Collins, and she votes to convict which I found less surprising than Cassidy's vote, but still, this is Susan Collins we're talking about, right? Whose job it is to signal to Democrats she's open to doing the right thing before not doing the right thing. So we weren't even past the letter C yet in the roll call, and there's three Republican votes to convict. And with the Cassidy vote, I was thinking, wait, are there going to be some more random Republican senators who vote to acquit? Like, is one of the guys from Indiana going to vote yes? Is is Jim Lankford from Oklahoma going to just, just say, yeah, fuck it, Trump did the thing, he's guilty? So I, I found myself briefly wondering if we were going to get into the double digits in terms of the Republican vote. But of course, as the vote went on, more and more Republicans voted to acquit. And when it was all over, the vote was 57-43, 10 votes short of the requisite 67 needed to convict. And then you mentioned Mitch McConnell. After after the verdict, he makes a floor speech, which is just 
absolutely mind-blowing. And I have that clip. The House accused the former president of, quote, incitement. That is a specific term from the criminal law. Let me just put that aside for a moment and reiterate something I said weeks ago. There's no question, none, that President Trump is practically and morally responsible for provoking the events of the day. No question about it. The people who stormed this building believed they were acting on the wishes and instructions of their president. Now, Ben, can you help me with something here? If Mitch McConnell believes that, quote, Trump is practically and morally responsible for provoking the events of the day, end quote, what possible course of action could McConnell have taken in response to that? That's a good question. I have no idea. I mean, what would be what forum would he have at his disposal that would that he could vote on, perhaps that would have some lasting ramifications for Trump? I don't know. I have no idea. I got nothing. Yeah, I got fuck all on this as well. <laughs> I mean, extraordinary. I mean, he literally laid out the same argument that Jamie Raskin did, and then exonerated the guy. It's just, it's just crazy. You know, I mean, look, what what I thought um, was interesting actually about uh, um, Mitch McConnell. Uh, Mitch McConnell's statement was that he also, you know, this is, they seem to be what they, I think they want justice done. I think they want something bad to happen to Trump. They just don't want to do it. So Mitch McConnell also said, he said, impeachment was never meant to be the final forum for American justice. We have a criminal justice system in this country. We have civil litigation and former presidents are not immune from being held accountable by either one. Another, Tom Tillis uh, said the ultimate accountability is through our criminal justice system um, uh, where cr- political passions are checked. He said no president is above the law or immune from criminal prosecution, and that includes the former president. And that includes former President Trump, rather. Specifically, he said includes former President Trump. And this is a guy who voted to acquit, voted uh, not guilty. So they are, are they are saying, literally saying, Someone else do something about this. Let let the criminal courts take care of this. We don't want to do anything about that, right? I think you know, uh, there's uh, all of the Republicans watching were, I think, you know, barring the more, you know, bar, barring the more sociopathic ones, you know, the real sociopaths in there, and there are there are quite a few of them. But I would say at least sixty percent of those Republicans um, realized the gravity of what was going on. Maybe more, maybe 70, 80 percent of the, of the Republicans there uh, were, uh, you know, did understand that what, what Trump had done and how bad it was, uh, but were too cowardly to do anything about it. You know, and I think that they were as shocked as everybody else was. I mean, the footage that they, they put together, um, it, you know, for, for the, the prosecution um, or the house managers it was was just devastating it was absolutely devastating i mean jamie raskin put together a just an extraordinary case against trump uh as that you know as did the other democrats i mean i I think um you know it could not have been clearer i mean how guilty how guilty trump was and i think that wasn't lost on 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 the senate republicans watching this so i do think that they want something done against this guy but they just don't want to take any responsibility for it whatsoever. And that's, that is, that's, it's just pathetic. Clearly, look, no one 
was probably more disappointed in the acquittal verdict than Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley, right? Because right. they don't want to have, they have hopes for 2024, right? And they don't want to have to possibly have to go through Donald Trump in a primary if he chooses to, uh, to run again. You know, they want the, the field cleared of that guy because they know he's the odds on favorite to become the nominee uh, if he were to run. But you're right. Raskin did a great job. I thought the House manners in, in general, um, they, they did a, a great job. They laid out the case. I think they proved their case. And, you know, these Republicans who are saying, yeah, well, there's a remedy here through the criminal justice system. That's true. But there's also a political remedy, right? A Congress saying that, you know what, this behavior is not acceptable. You know, if the president were caught taking bribes, like straight up bribes, or a judge were caught taking bribes, as some judges, federal judges in the past have, and they've been impeached and convicted for taking those bribes, the Congress in those cases, they didn't just throw their hands up and say, there's a justice system remedy for this. Of course there is, but there's also a political remedy whereby you remove that person from office because they have no business holding the position that they do. So this whole, you know, there's a criminal rem- proceeding remedy for this, or they're saying he's not, he's not in office anymore, therefore we shouldn't try him. All of this procedural nonsense that Republicans, just an excuse for why they don't want to do anything. He, like Trump is incredibly popular with his base, and they don't want to take any position against him that's going to cost them politically. And I would argue there are things that you know that aren't necessarily criminal, but are nonetheless impeachable and warrant removal from from office. The Constitution gives Congress a wide berth to understand what constitutes a high crime and misdemeanor. Someone I forget who it was, but somebody presented a scenario where, say, a sitting president makes all sorts of comments about how great it would be if China took over the United States and made overtures to China that amounted to an invitation to an invasion or annexation, if you will. Now, is that criminal in any way? Not that I can see, but is this speech worthy of impeachment and removal from office? Yeah, you could certainly make that case, and many would, because it would speak to that president's willingness and ability or lack thereof to uphold and defend the Constitution of the United States. So this whole – I find this whole Republican pointing to the justice system as a reason why they're not voting to convict the president completely unconvincing. And I have a clip from Jamie Raskin, who, speaking of this whole, well, Donald Trump was out of office. He, he committed this impeachable offense, uh, you know, in January, and he was on his way out anyway. So, like, you know, why go through this business of having a trial? And Jamie Raskin really spoke to, to the heart of that objection by a lot of Republicans. Their argument is that if you commit an impeachable offense in your last few weeks in office, you do it with constitutional impunity. You get away with it. In other words, conduct that would be a high crime and misdemeanor in your first year as president, in your second year as president, in your third year as president, and for the vast majority of your fourth year as president, you can suddenly do in your last few weeks in office without facing any constitutional accountability at all. 
This would create a brand new January exception to the Constitution of the United States of America. A January exception. And everyone can see immediately why this is so dangerous. It's an invitation to the president to take his best shot at anything he may want to do on his way out the door, including using violent means to lock that door, to hang on to the Oval Office at all costs, and to block the peaceful transfer of power. In other words, the January exception is an invitation to our founders' worst nightmare. And if we buy this radical argument that President Trump's lawyers advance, we risk allowing January 6th to become our future. I thought that was perfectly stated. I think that's Uh, a perfect rebuttal to these objections about how they shouldn't have proceeded with the trial. Yeah, I mean, it's insane. And also, Mitch McConnell was the reason why the trial was postponed. I mean, they tried to do it before he he was out of office. Uh, But Mitch McConnell... Um, his usual obstructionist self ensured that uh, it, it couldn't happen until after uh, Biden was sworn in, um, and then claimed it was it wasn't valid, and then voted to say that it was unconstitutional. You got you. I don't know. There are there are a few words I have left. You just think that this party cannot get any more depraved and cowardly and sniveling and pathetic, but it can. It can, it can just it can keep plumbing new new lows, new depths. Um, and, you know, I mean, the Marjorie Taylor Greene thing is, I think, one of the, you know, that's another kind of like absolute just travesty that this woman is, you know, this woman is a is a, a QAnon, um, an insane QAnon conspiracy theorist who's called for the murder of Nancy Pelosi. And, and they won't censure her. They'll censure, you know, they'll censure Republicans who who um, who voted to impeach Trump. They're not going to censure her, though. I mean, it's just amazing. The upside to all of this is that I think it, this this does um, kind of provide a huge amount of um, uh, leverage for Biden, right, going forward, that he has basically, he can kind of move unassailed uh, for for at least, he's got at least a year of just doing whatever he wants right now. Because who's taking the Republicans seriously anymore about anything? They can, they run and... And you know, whine about everything. China, you know, Biden's a, a China stooge, and you know he failed to live up to the promises of his inauguration speech. You know, blah 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 blah, all that kind of stuff, right? Um, but no one's listening to them because I think that the you know the American public is now basically understood, well understood what the Republican Party is. It's no, it is not the Republican Party. It is the party of Donald Trump, and it stands for nothing other than Donald Trump. And I think that that, that, that is quite useful for Biden. It's, the Can, only, it's literally the only benefit I see. Agreed. Can we talk about, how, as good as the Democratic House managers were, can we talk about their caving on the witnesses on Saturday? Yes. The, it, yes. I mean, we have to talk about this. So the House managers had asked Trump to testify and of course, he gave them the middle finger. But one of the things they wanted to know was, when did the president find out the Capitol was under attack? And they also wanted to know if Trump knew that Mike Pence was in danger 
when Trump sent out a tweet attacking the vice president as the insurrection was going on, because the rioters, of course, were looking for Pence. They were saying, hang Mike Pence, chanting that. And, and Trump had vilified him for not overturning the election, which, of course, he had no authority to do. And the managers wanted to know, when did the president become aware of this and what was his reaction? You know, because one of the, the mysteries here is why it took so long for the Trump administration to mobilize the National Guard and send in reinforcements. I mean, it took at least a couple of hours here. And Trump's defense team was asked this during the trial, and, and, and they said, we don't know. That's not our job to know what the president was doing. Do your own work. The House managers have failed to come up with that information. But of course, Trump could have cleared all this up by testifying or at least submitting a statement to be entered into the record. He didn't. So like everyone else, the House managers pointed to media reports, like, for example, uh, Tommy Tuberville telling uh, President Trump in a phone call that day of the insurrection that Pence had been evacuated from the Capitol. Uh, and also, you know, in an effort to try to put together a timeline. And also, you know, there's an account from Congresswoman Jamie Herrera Butler of Washington State. She's a Republican. And according to her, that day, Republican Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy had this very hostile exchange on the phone, yeah, hostile exchange with Trump on the phone during the riot. And I, I just have a, an excerpt from CNN here. In an expletive-laced phone call with House Republican leader Kevin McCarthy while the U.S. Capitol was under attack, then-President Donald Trump said the rioters cared more about the election results than McCarthy did. Well, Kevin, this is Trump, I guess these people are more upset about the election than you are. Uh, that was according to lawmakers who were briefed on the call afterward by McCarthy, including Herrera Butler, who was there, uh, the piece goes on. McCarthy insisted that the rioters were Trump's supporters and begged Trump to call them off because Trump had insisted on this phone call that these weren't his people. And McCarthy is saying, no, they are. And you need to tell them to back off. It says here, Trump's comment set off what Republican lawmakers familiar with the call described as a shouting match between the two men. A furious McCarthy told the then president the rioters were breaking into his office through the windows and asked Trump who the fuck do you think you're talking to, according to a Republican lawmaker familiar with the call? So sounds like by calling at least Jamie Herrera Butler, who was a witness, or perhaps even Kevin McCarthy himself, although I doubt he would comply with such a subpoena that would put him in a position to say this under oath, where he'd either have to tell the truth, which makes Trump look bad, or he would have to lie under oath. So I don't think it would have made any difference. I think you and I agree on this in terms of the, the final vote. Maybe like a couple more Republicans would have voted to convict, who knows. But it would have been important to get this witness testimony. And they were in line to do it. The House managers surprised the Senate Saturday morning, and they said, you know what, in light of this information now, we would like to call witnesses. Then the Senate votes 56-44 to hear witnesses. Six Republicans voted to hear witnesses. And then they recess for like two hours. There's some back and forth, and then they come back, and the House managers say, on second thought, we don't want to call witnesses. We've struck a deal with the Trump defense team whereby – um, we will enter the Congresswoman's statement uh, as reported in the news into the record. 
which is grossly insufficient. I saw a lot of liberals on Twitter saying that Democrats didn't actually cave because they got the witness testimony they wanted because Herrera Butler's statement to a news outlet was entered into the record. But that is not testimony. That is not testimony in any legal sense since no witnesses were called. So by definition, there was no testimony. It would be one thing if the statement had been submitted under oath to Congress for this specific purpose, then yeah, sure. I guess it could be accepted into the record as quote unquote testimony. Even typically when we think of witnesses in a trial, we think of someone who was able to be cross-examined. But what the Democrats entered into the record yesterday was not testimony. And, And the last point on this, by all indications, it seems that the Senate The reason they didn't have witnesses is just because they wanted to go home. They were set to go back to their their states yesterday, and they have gone back to their states and be in recess. That's what senators wanted, to go home. And Chris Coons of Delaware, it was reported that he told an aide to a senior member of the House, quote, people want to get home for Valentine's Day. So that's why we didn't get witnesses, apparently, because Chris Coons needed to get home for Valentine's Day, or he'd be in deep shit with the missus. There you go. That's the U.S. Senate for you. I mean, I also think. I mean, yes, probably that's that's a that's a part to do with it. I also think. I think that they're, they're quite concerned. The Biden administration is also quite concerned about this eating up too much time, um, and he's got a very very sort of demanding legislative agenda uh, now. Now he's in office, and I think that he. he I would imagine that the 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 White House probably said to the to you know. Uh, the Democrats, the House managers, wrap, wrap this up because we need to get going. We can't allow Do you this have to evidence eat. of that. No, I have not. That's my that's my that's my hypo- that that's my hypothesis that the White House probably didn't want this going on for too much longer. I I, I think they've taken a hands off approach to this largely, both in public and behind the scenes. This is something um, whether it was explicit or whether it was them thinking, you know, uh, you know, maybe they they maybe they. Um, they didn't. Maybe the White House didn't put pressure on them, but they sensed that maybe if they kept g- going, this was not going to bode well for Biden politically. So they were trying to protect um, protect Biden. I, I have no idea. Um, what I saw, one idea that was being floated was an one hour for witnesses, just for the sake of getting this statement okay. in into the into the record and, and allowing the witness to be questioned. Via Zoom, if if not in person, so this could have it could have been one hour on Saturday. You could have kicked this thing to two weeks from now. You know, I, I saw some people saying, "Well, you know, the Senate has, you know, they got other business to attend to. They're going on recess. They were going on recess, so it's not like they were planning on taking up COVID relief. You know, beginning Monday. That's not what's going on here. So I, I really think that this is just the Senate really." not wanting to be in the chamber. And whether it was somebody like Joe Manchin or Kirsten Cinema or I don't know, or Chris Coons wanting to get back for Valentine's Day, I don't know. This just seems like the Senate just abdicating its uh duties. Yeah, a- abdicating its its duties to hear hear witnesses. Yeah, and I would have, you know, I, I would have liked to have seen witnesses for the reasons that you stated as well. I think it was a mistake. Um, at least it was read out loud. Uh, that's good. So, you know, I think that was obvious, but it's probably, you know, 25% of the effects, maybe less 20% of the, of the, of the actual effect. I mean, look, what I think this whole impeachment 
process was the Democrats. Obviously, they knew that I, I you know, I think that they were pretty certain that they would it wouldn't secure a conviction. Uh, ultimately, after Mitch McConnell, um, <laughs> Mitch McConnell voted to say that their proceedings were not constitutional. I think there was hope that they would they they could have pinned him, um, but then you know when McConnell voted for it being unconstitutional, obviously that they knew that the jig was up, that that wasn't going to happen. So I think, you know, but the purpose of it really was, but it's, you know, powerful political theater, very, very powerful political theater. That was, it was, it was all true as well. It wasn't just a powerful performance by, by the house managers. Um, it was, it was a true performance by them as well. What they were saying was, was entirely correct. And I think that that will have damaged the Republican Party immensely. The 43 Republicans who voted to acquit, their names will go down in history, right, for for exonerating a president who who incited an insurrection, a, a guy who literally committed treason against the United States and the Republicans on a, on a technicality, on some sort of, you know, bullshit procedural, you know, quibble. They 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 acquitted Trump. I mean, it was just, it was nonsense. So they, it, it absolutely shameful, uh, and they had no leg to stand on whatsoever. And I think that the from a sort of PR point of view, the Democrats have done a marvelous job here. Of of um, you know, we the, I think the public needed to see that they needed to be a, a a show and tell. You know, like what happened. Let's have a, let's see what happened. I mean, some of the footage. It was just devastating, you know, and the audio recordings from the police, you know, and this was an this was an assault on police officers. I mean, a police officer was killed. I mean, two two police officers have have, have committed suicide since um, since that event. I mean, what a sort of shameful episode. And and the Republicans, they just want to move on. You get Marco Rubio and Lindsey Graham and all these Republican senators just saying, you know, let's move on. We've had enough of this. Let's let's move on. It's like, no, motherfucker, you might have had enough of it, but the rest of us haven't. We just witnessed an attempted coup, right? Fermented by your dear leader. We, that should not be forgotten. I mean, how, you know, I was around, uh, I remember the days of 9-11, when all Republicans could talk about day in day out for it was literally five years of talking about 9-11 every single day Benghazi Benghazi every single day right and Benghazi was about four people who died halfway around the world due to a security failure unable to protect the consulate you know in a foreign country which it tends to happen sometimes, especially in places where there's a civil war going on. And yet that got two and a half years of hearings, was it? Right. And Republicans want to move on from an insurrection that was incited by the president in Washington, D.C. It's insane. When you hear – we've heard this before. Like when Ford pardoned Nixon, the justification was we need to move on, just like it is now. You're enabling elite impunity. The January exception, as Raskin called it. I mean, if if you're not going to face any consequences for this stuff, politically or criminally, and who knows, the the jury's still out on whether Trump will face criminal charges. Uh, actually, the jury hasn't even been impaneled yet because <laughs> we need indictments right. first. But but yeah, that's you know, whenever we hear move on, it's like, oh, it's time to heal. It's time to move on. No, it's time for justice. It's time for accountability. It's time for consequences. He was responsible for the riot. He did nothing to stop it. He can still be held accountable. 
And and like I said, and like you pointed out, you know, a lot of these guys they wanted to vote for conviction, but they can't. Well, they can, but they don't because they're political cowards. Exactly. I mean, look, you know, there are there are now Trump is going to have a very difficult year. I would say he has real problems coming forward, and, and I think that you know he he potentially does um, face you know um, civil lit- he's going to face civil litigation. You know whether that become you know how many criminal criminal cases you know that remains to be seen as well, but it, he's got the call the Georgia phone call you know there's an investigation happening there, he's got the investigation in the state of New York um, by uh, Cyrus Vance and uh, and the Attorney General Letitia James, you know, those are civil cases but but um, no Vance is criminal uh, but Letitia James is, is a civil case but that that could become a criminal case. They're not going to go easy on him. That's a lot of that's tax fraud, potential tax fraud, um, and financial crimes. But there are there are so many lawsuits that this guy is about to walk into. It's going to be hilarious, you know. And I I am hoping that at least something sticks. That th- this guy has to pay a price for something. It would be just insane if he managed to get away with all of this. It would be insane, but sadly typical. Typical, or the, right. the way elites in the United States face accountability. And that way is oftentimes they don't face accountability. They don't go to prison. They don't get convicted in a Senate impeachment trial. And it sends a terrible message. And I think, you know, at some point, uh, I think something's got to give. Most citizens wanted to see Trump convicted, just like most citizens back in the 70s wanted to see Nixon convicted. And yet their leaders continue to, to step in and say, no, 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 it's, you know, we need to move on. We need to yeah, move on. Let's hail. It's, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Next unity. time, if ever you were accused of a crime, try telling the police or the prosecutors, you know what? It'd be best for everyone just to move on. There's been enough hurt. There's a lot of division going on right now. Like imagine, or if, imagine if you were the victim of a mugging and someone took your wallet, you go to the police and say, Somebody took my wallet, and I can give you a description of the suspect. And the cop says to you, "Yeah, but that's in the past. That's in the but it past." Wouldn't even be, it wouldn't even be the cop. It would be you know they they, they bring the guy in who who mugged you, uh, and then you have a conversation, and the criminal says, and the mugger says, "You know what? Let's just move on." And the policeman says, "Yeah, no, actually, they're right. Sorry, yeah, everyone go home now. You have to forgive and forget." Right. I mean, what do you? Here's a question: Of all the legal troubles that Trump is going to face, which case do you do you believe has the most chance of the biggest chance of sticking? Well, it will definitely be financial. Whether it involves taxes or business deals, it's going to be financial in nature, without a doubt. I don't know. You know, we know that prosecutors in New York at the state and local levels are looking into that. As you mentioned, they're looking into his finances. I have no idea what they're finding. I think that will probably be the most likely thing that Trump will be charged for, something money-related. We know he likes underreporting his assets, devaluing his assets for the purpose of not having to pay too much in taxes on them. But who 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 knows who knows what what he does with his money and and what kind of shady deals he's gotten into? What do you think? I mean, it, yeah, I mean, there is all there is always the chance that the attorney general decides that 
there needs to be a criminal investigation into some of Trump's behaviour. I mean, they can they can go and relitigate all sorts of stuff. Um, you know, the 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 um, the call with the Georgia phone call uh, with uh, yes. Brad, uh, you know uh, Raffensperger. That call, just to refresh the listeners' memory, that happened a few days before the insurrection. Trump called Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, basically asking him to find him the votes he needed needed to win the state of Georgia. And that was news, big news for like two or three days. And then the insurrection happened. And and that Raffensperger thing, I actually think they should have had an, an article of impeachment for that. They were discussing that. That was, you know, that was a point of discussion um, about uh, about that phone call, whether that he should be impeached again. So there is a chance, you know, they it could be. It depends um, uh, whether the the new attorney general, whoever that may be, uh, hopefully Merrick Garland, decides to investigate. Uh, and and you know they could well do. I mean, he's being investigated at a state a state level. It depends. I mean, I think that the Republicans were sort of, they were kind of pointing to, there's a good piece by uh, Jonathan Chait in in New York Magazine that sort of, uh, that argued that, you know, ex-presidents basically have a kind of, um, while there are no technically, legally there are no, there's no reason why they can't be prosecuted. Um, Ex-presidents have always been kind of left alone, right? There's a kind of an unspoken rule that you don't go after ex-presidents. And 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 Chase's argument was that Republicans have essentially, uh, with their behaviour, with their um, sort of uh, denouncing Trump and and talking about criminal prosecution, they've basically said they they're signalling to the to the justice system, go you know go for it. This guy is fair game. You know we don't want anything to do with it, but you guys do your thing. So Chase's argument is that there is, you know, Trump essentially is, he is extremely vulnerable right now. He's extremely vulnerable. It's whether the, whether, whether um, the legal system and whether the Democrats have the stomach to, to do to really do something, to really, you know, put their money where their mouth is and get this guy locked up. I mean, I don't, I think Biden should keep his hand, he should stay well away from it. I think Biden needs to, to, to basically, you know, not have much to do with it. But I also think that the Democrats can try to shift the narrative with the public. Um, that's their job now is to be, is to kind of create the right conditions for this guy to face jail time. Yeah, because whether we like it or not, you know, a lot of criminal a lot of uh, criminal cases are political. A, a lot of Trump supporters say, "Well, prosecuting former leaders." is what they do in third world countries. And my response to that is, you know what else they do in third world countries? They let their leaders get away with everything. Yeah, exactly. They've turned it into a, we are living in a third world country. Trump turned the US into a banana republic. I mean, it's a joke, right? The the only way that you can regain legitimacy is by doing something about this lunatic, you know? Uh, and, And it's, it's not, uh, you know, this is whether America can take it. I, I think the next kind of year or so, and what happens to Trump, really does determine how serious America is. You know? How serious is the Biden administration? How serious is the justice system? Um, yeah, at holding the powerful to account, or basically lawbreakers. This guy destroyed the 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 White House. He destroyed the rule of law in America. He basically pissed all over it. 
Uh, and I do think that there's a crisis now of legitimacy. There's a real crisis of legitimacy with the legal system. And, and I think that without prosecuting him, it, it kind of, it doesn't mean anything anymore. You know, these, these, you know, the, the law and, and, and political office and, these are all collective belief systems, right? They like democracy is an idea. Democracy isn't isn't it's not a real thing. You can't touch democracy, right? It doesn't exist somewhere. It's a set of it's a set of beliefs, right? It's a belief that is a collectively held belief. That's that's that exists because enough people believe in it. Enough people lend it credence and give it power. So if and if enough people stop believing in it. You you have a collapse in society. You have a collapse of of rule and of law and order, and and I think that that's kind of where we're at. I think the election of Joe Biden was was a good first step in the right direction, um, but more needs to be done, you know. And and it's not that I want to spend any more time talking about Donald Trump or thinking about Donald Trump, but you know we have to. We have to acknowledge what happened. Not just going to move on from four years of absolute mayhem and lies of destruction and and you know uh, clearly criminal behaviour. We can't just move on from that. It doesn't work like that. It shouldn't work like that. I mean, and it can't work like that if if the United States is to is to you know con- continue as a as a functioning um, democracy. Could not have said it better myself. Well, on that positive note. <laughs> on that positive note i think uh, we've covered it all for today this is again this is a, a special podcast we were supposed to record two days ago but we wanted to wait until the uh, decision came from the uh, from the from the impeachment trial so um anyway i uh, hope everybody uh, enjoyed the podcast if you are enjoying the podcast make sure you subscribe to the newsletter um uh, the banter.substat.com uh, you also, if you'd like to get 50% off the Bantam membership, you can do that. So below, there'll be a link in the uh, on the article or in the newsletter uh, with a 50% off. You can get that and you can support what we're doing. Um, please tune in each week. We'll be here. Mike, anything to add, my friend? I need to come up with a nonprofit we're going to donate to. We will reveal next week. Where my money went to? Well, where our money went to? My my, uh, I, I like the five bucks as well. It, it does seem a bit stingy. Um, so yeah, I uh, t- I'll take my licks. And uh, if anybody wants to leave me a uh, told you so comment um, in uh, below, please do. I deserve it. So um, pip pip cheerio, and see you next week. <laughs>